been a great part of it. You've participated in a great way, and we thank you for that. And uh, we're going to share a little uh, understanding from the Scripture as to why we're gathered here. Why is it called Good Friday? We're going to look at that. And uh, we're going to then close out with communion. We've got communion prepared, and we'd love for you to participate as we come around the Lord's table for that uh, this evening as well. I think they're getting everything ready for me here. But while they're doing that, I don't know if y'all heard one of the uh, great things that just happened here in Virginia. Um, There was this archaeologist that was digging in New York, and he got down uh, 10 feet, and he found this huge... uh, uh, ca- uh, copper wires down there, uh, 10 feet. And he said, wow, look, 100 years ago, there was this uh, telephone system in New York. What These folks were really ahead of the game. This thing was pretty complex. So an archaeologist on the West Coast said, wait a minute, let me get to digging. And he dug down 20 feet. And when he got down 20 feet, he found some great copper wire there running a system. He said, look, we were 100 years before New York. We had us a uh, integrated uh, telephone system uh, all the way on the West Coast. We're ahead of the game. But then this farmer, Bubba, here in Virginia, he said, wait a minute. Those New Yorkers and those Californians, they don't have anything on us. So he goes out in his farm and he digs down 30 feet. And he gets down to 30 feet and he found nothing. And he says, call the newspapers, call the news anchors. We got to get the word out that here in Virginia, 300 years ago, we had already discovered wireless networks. (laughs) That's not a true story. But I pray it put a smile on your face. Praise the Lord. Isn't it exciting to be able to serve the Lord with gladness? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that it gives us life. Not only does it give us life and breath of heaven, but you said your word also is a double-edged sword. Lord, it's something we can fight the devil with. We can declare it is written and it is finished and the devil has to flee. So, Lord, we just thank you as we study your word. You said your word also brings faith. I pray someone's faith would be encouraged here tonight, not by what I say, but by what your word says, so that they can go into the remainder of this celebration of our resurrection of you, Jesus Christ, on this Easter Sunday and the rest of our life in victory and in power. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So was it that people were just bored and they were looking for something else to put on their calendar to do when they came up with a Good Friday? Or does it have a biblical basis? Well, you all know the answer to that. It definitely does. And if you look in Exodus chapter 12 and Leviticus chapter 23, and you can study how all God laid out these feasts. We see that there are seven main feasts unto the Lord that God describes. And those feasts uh, today, we're getting ready right now to initiate and move into the, the, the spiritual year of the Lord. This is the spiritual calendar that God has given us. And these seven feasts, they're initiated with Passover. So here we are tonight, this Good Friday, this Passover celebration, as we're looking at these four fall feasts about to unfold before us. All of these have been, full, been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In his, and and uh, we see that in the fulfillment when Jesus came the first time, how Passover was fulfilled. He was the, the Lamb of God, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Then the unleavened bread. 
that followed that. Uh, then the first fruits three days later, uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 50 days later, Pentecost, uh, when the Holy Spirit was given by the Lord to us. The church was birthed. That's why we've got the church age here. So now we, that's where we're at. We're in the church age with the Spirit of God filling us, flowing through us to do the work of God in preparation for His second coming. Uh, before his second coming, their trumpets will have the rapture of those that are believers in Christ. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And then when we go to the Feast of Atonement, that's the second coming, when uh, we'll even be able to come back with the Lord uh, in what he is setting up here with a new heaven and new earth. Uh, Feast of Tabernacles is when all of that is established and he, become, and he comes in tabernacles uh, here forever. So it's an exciting, exciting uh, thing that we're initiating tonight. This begins tonight, this whole spiritual calendar of the four feasts that have been fulfilled in Christ. So we celebrate that. And then what we're yet anticipating in the fall feast when they do come. So it, uh, it was this initiation. God uh, set it all in motion with the shedding of blood. So I've entitled this tonight, uh, Blood Bought Freedom, because it all begun, begins with the blood of Jesus Christ at Passover. And uh, it is this feast that releases grace and favor and protection. And I'm going to show you that in the Word of God. So we don't want you going in this spiritual year that God has for you without you knowing and having faith to receive the grace and the favor and the protection that God has provided for us. Because Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. So it was through his death that you and I were freed. It was through his death that we're made alive, that we have a plan and a, and a hope of eternity now. It was, he went into the grave to free us from the grave. There's, there's bondages of death that wants to hold on to you and hold you back. But you need to say, you know, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And he, he went into the grave so that I can live a resurrected, powerful life in him. The Bible says he took on poverty to free us from poverty. And he took on shame. So to take all shame off of us. Don't live under shame because the blood of Jesus has been shed so that you could be cleansed and that the shame that the enemy would want you to live under could be removed off of your life. The Bible says he was despised so that we could be accepted. He took stripes upon his back so that you and I might be healed, that by his stripes we are healed. He was bruised so that we might be freed from our iniquity. And he was crowned with a crown of thorns that we might be freed from, the, from that spirit of poverty that the enemy wants to put on us and cause us to live in lack and to, and to live in need. He sweat great drops of blood in the garden so that our willpower could be freed up, that we could say yes to God and no to the devil. He was nailed to an old rugged cross to free us from the, old, uh, uh, the rugged cross that we've been carrying uh, in this life, that cross that we were born under. And he allowed himself to be put in bondage so that you and I could come out of bondage. And I declare over you tonight in the name of Jesus that every chain and every weight and every bit of bondage the enemy is trying to put on you would be freed off of you as you realize that through and by the blood of Jesus... I am free. You have blood-bought freedom. Blood-bought freedom. You need to know it. You need to claim it. You need to walk in it. You need to talk it. And when the devil tries to tell you the opposite, you need to stop agreeing with the devil. 
say, you know, I've got two people I can agree with. I can agree with the devil or I can agree with the Lord. Now, if I agree with the devil, you are assured death. You are assured destruction and you are assured loss. I mean, he said, that's all he comes to do is steal, kill, and destroy. But if you'll agree with God, there's an abundant life. Now, the devil's going to try to fight you. Don't get discouraged in the fight. Know that you're fighting a fixed fight and you're going to win as long as you stay in the ring. As long as you stay in the fight, you're going to win because it's a fixed fight. Jesus has already given us the victory. Amen? So we thank God for that. So all of this comes out of Exodus chapter 12. Let's look at those scriptures together as we prepare ourselves for communion this night. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning. Say, your beginning. This is something that you and I, I don't care what you've gone through up till tonight, but God said, I want this to be a new beginning for you. You may have had a tough January and a tough February and a tough March, but don't give up. God says, I'm interjecting right in here and I want you to have a new beginning. So this month shall be your beginning of months and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, then let his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. And your lamb shall be without blemish. Can you, can you imagine all this is picked, pointing to and getting ready to show us the Messiah who's coming without sin, you know? You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste, for it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in that land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Look what he says. Now the blood, now the blood, shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. When I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. When I see the blood, judgment's going to pass over your household. Everything that, that sin deserves is going to pass over your household. Everything that you deserve because you were rebellious against God is going to pass over your household when I see the blood. Man, this is some powerful blood. This, is, this blood's pointing to the most powerful blood of all. And Peter tells us in Peter uh, 1 and 19, he says, I want you to know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the traditions of your father. That doesn't redeem you. That doesn't pay the ransom. That doesn't free you. That doesn't give you a pass. He said, but what does is the precious blood of Christ 
as of a lamb without blemish and without spine. Praise God. So the well, Passover in the Old Testament is all but a sign pointing to the Jesus, to the Lamb of God who would come and who would give his life, shed his blood for you and for me. John the Baptist pointed him out. I said this in the baptism service earlier. When it was, it was there, he pointed out this Passover message when he pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't it good to know that we don't have to pay for our sin? Isn't it good to know that we don't have to pay for every bad thought and everything that we should have done that we failed to do and for everything we shouldn't have done that we did? Thank God there's forgiveness. Because if it were not, every one of us would stand before a judge and a jury and they would say, I find you guilty. And many of us would have to pay in the work camps of hell for years and years and decades and eternity and still not be able to redeem ourselves. Let me tell you what, it was, it, we were in a position where without God we were hopeless. But the good thing is we were never hopeless because we've never been without God. Hallelujah. He came to us we didn't come to him. He came to us while we were yet uh, sinners. Jesus died on the cross for us. I'm telling you, he loves you so much. He has so much plan for you. The devil has so much plan for you as well. But Satan wants to take you down. Satan wants you depressed. Satan wants you sad. Satan wants you lost. Satan wants you to pay the penalty for every wrong thing you've ever done. But Jesus wants you freed. Jesus wants you blessed. Jesus wants you redeemed. Jesus said, I'm willing, Father, to go and give my own life and hang on a cross and let them beat me and torture me and bruise me and, and nail me and, and even take a spear and pierce my side. I'm willing to go through it all that we can offer this blood that will pay their sinful account. Let me tell you what, we all are in debt. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody. You can look to your left, center. Look to your right, center. Look at the person in front of you, behind you, center. Look at the pastor standing before you, center. Center. Born and the wages of sin is death. We were born to, to live in misery. We were born to, after the life of misery here to spend an eternity in damnation. That's what we were born to. But God said, oh, no. I'm going to make a way out. I'm going to make a way out for everyone who will place their faith and their heart and their love into me. And he sent his only begotten son because he loved us so much that if we'll believe in him, we don't have to perish. Now, the devil's going to try to get you to turn on God. Your pastor's going to try to get you to turn to God. When things don't work out, it wasn't God's fault. You got a devil fighting you. You're in a real war. Anybody ever been in the military? Everybody ever been in combat? You got a real enemy. There's an enemy out there. And the enemy don't play fair. But let me tell you what, the only way the enemy's going to advance is if we get out. If we say, I'm done, I'm done. Then the enemies can just take over. City after city, home after home, life after life, family after family. But I'm telling you, God says, I'm going I'm to build a church. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, he's called us not to be all just come by yon, sing around the campfire. He's called us to be warriors as well. That we rise up and with the armor of God, that we rise up with the weapons of God and that we take a stand and we don't let the devil take our household. We don't let the devil take our marriage. We don't let the devil take our finances. We don't let the devil take our health. And when he tries, and he will, then we say, wait a minute. There's power in the blood. 
I've got, I've got a resource that the devil doesn't have. I've got a weapon that is greater. I know that some of the silliness of stuff that you hear in the news and one country says, well, I've got nuclear weapons and we've got a bomb and another leader says, well, we've got a bigger bomb. You know, let me tell you what, we got the biggest bomb of all. There's no need for us to be intimidated. We've got the blood of Jesus. We've got the word of God. We've got the name that is above every name that one day every knee has to bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. I say stay on the winning side. Stay on the winning side and fight this fight that God has called us to. See, the blood of Jesus is what I call the CEF. Not, you know what the CEF is? The central economic factor in all of human order. The blood of Jesus. Devil, the blood of Jesus is against you. Plans of hell, the blood of Jesus is against you. You say, why in the world you talk in such a bloody language? Because God chose that when Pharaoh was doing what he was doing, he represented the devil. God says, I'm going to take him out. And this, thing's going, this blast is going to be so powerful that it's going to come. And if you are not covered by the blood, then you're going down too. And let me tell you what, they took those hyssop branches and placed the blood on those doorposts and over the lintel, probably never realizing then that they were blood was dripping like a cross. That on a cross one day, thousands of years later, there was coming the spotless lamb of God. This was the blood of a little spotless lamb, but there was coming the son of God as a lamb. And his blood would give us power over all the works of the enemy. I wrote this down that the power of the blood of Jesus is greater than both the energy of our own humanity and the power of our adversary combined. Every bit of the effort of mankind, if we could all live at the same time, I don't know how many billions that would be, and all of our effort and all of the efforts of Satan, Lucifer, and all of his demons, all of that power pales in comparison to the power that comes through the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. It is through this blood that cleanses us, revives us, releases and delivers and, and gives us the authority that God has called us to do. So I just want to uh, get your faith ready to receive what Jesus said. I, Jesus, at the last Passover he was at, he, he, made a, he made a transition. He was basically saying up to this point, it's been the blood of the lamb, uh, a four-legged lamb. He said, but let me just tell you, all of that's been pointing to me. And he said, this night that he was betrayed, he says, I am, I am that lamb. And now you're not going to take and need to kill another lamb because they're going to kill me. And they're gonna, I'm going to die. And they're going to put me in a tomb. But he says, I tell you what, he says, the same power that I had to, to create heaven and earth is the same power I have to resurrect myself. He says, he says I lay my life down. And on the third day, I'm going to take it up again. Hallelujah. And you know what? He did exactly what he said. But it was on that night he took the fruit of the vine and he took that unleavened bread. And he said, now this is not looking back to the blood and the flesh of a, a four-legged lamb, but it's looking forward to what the two-legged lamb has redeemed and done for you. So he said, and as often as you do it, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. So he took the fruit of the vine and he took that little piece of unleavened bread and there he said, this is the new covenant that I'm building for you. 
So we've had Seder meals before and we've talked about their semblance and all the meaning of that. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But let me tell you what, the new Seder meal that we have, we're going to offer to you in just a few minutes. And that's going to be the fruit of the vine, the blood of the grape and the, and the unleavened bread that you're going to be able to take. But before we do that, let me just say this to you. There's several things I want to point out so that your faith will be ready to take the meal that heals. This blood that Jesus has shed for us 2,000 years ago, it has given to us provision in so many areas. One, it has provided protection for us. And I don't want you to ever forget that. That there is protection, just like it was on that Passover, that first Passover, there was protection for everyone in that household. They said some of the Egyptians had seen what God was doing and believed in God, and they found shelter. Some of the Egyptians found shelter in those uh, Israelites' homes in Goshen, and they were spared as well. This blood is so powerful, it protects everyone who will come under it. So the question tonight is, are you under the blood? And how do you come under the blood? You come to Jesus Christ and you say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. My life on my own is destined for doom. But I'll surrender to your lordship and I'll receive everything you've done for me. And there's the protection that comes. You're not going to hell. You're not going out under the power of the enemy. You're going up in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So I encourage you tonight to come and make sure that Jesus Christ, the true Lamb of God, the two-legged Lamb of God, that you're not still relying on the things of this earth. You're not still relying on your own strength and your own wisdom and your own know-how, but you're relying on what Jesus has done for you, which calls for faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. I ask you tonight, will you place your faith in Jesus Christ. You say, that's silly. Do you think it was silly to kill a lamb and put its blood on your doorpost and lintel? But they obeyed God and they received the miracle of God. And God has told us to place our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And if we will, we can have eternal life. So will you listen to God? Will you obey God? If so, the protection is yours. We see also the blood provides a means of deliverance. Deliverance. It delivered them from Pharaoh's stronghold. It delivered them. Pharaoh represented the devil. And the devil had a stronghold. And he was, he was stealing from them and had them in bondage and, and misery and slavery. But let me tell you what the blood provided overnight. Overnight. It wasn't something they had to work out of. Overnight, the miracle came of deliverance. Hallelujah. There may be something that's been trying to hold on to you. There may be something that's been trying to keep you in bondage and hold you back. Well, instead of you thinking that you've got to work 30 years to get out of that, you need tonight to place your faith in the blood of the Lamb of God and say, Jesus, as the blood delivered them out of Egypt from Pharaoh's bondage, I am believing your blood. As you take this communion tonight, say, God, I, I'm believing this is going to sever the ties that the enemy has had on me. Those, those bondages and chains of sickness and disease and those bondages of poverty and those bondages of hearing no rather than yes and closed doors rather than open doors and set back rather than set up. I am placing my faith in you, Jesus. And as your blood, as the four-legged lamb's blood pointing to your blood was able to get them overnight free, how much more can the blood of Jesus set you free tonight? Hallelujah. And then the blood provides a promise of a new day. 
I love what he said in verse 12, verse 2 there. He says, this month shall be your new beginning. It's a new beginning. It shall be the first month of the year to you. It was like Israel, he says, I want you to know that no matter what you're going through, you don't have to carry that into the next year. This is a spiritual revival, a spiritual turnaround. This is a spiritual moment. And God says, I want what I've done for you to never be forgotten, so I'm going to set it up as a feast so you're always reminded every year, don't go forward carrying the bondage and carrying the baggage of the past. Let it go. Let it go. Anybody got any anger? Anybody got any disappointment? Anybody got any depression? Anybody got some despondency? Anybody got some frustration? Anybody got some whatever? Let it go. Let it go. God said, I want to give you a new beginning. I want to give you a new beginning. And my blood will bring for you the promise of a new day. I want you to get up in the morning and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. And then finally, the blood provides a witness. It provides a witness. He said to them originally, put it on your house so that everyone will see. They will see that God is providing redemption. He wants your neighbors to see it. He wants people traveling through the neighborhood to see it. He said, I want it out. I don't want you to have a Christianity or a relationship with me that you're hiding and you're one of those closet Christians. Oh, somebody said, I worked with that person for 30 years and they just retired. And as they're retiring and going out, they said to me, you know what? I I, I attend such and such church. If you ever want to see me, visit me at that church. And they said, oh, really? Did you just get saved and go to that church? I said, no, I've been in that church as a leader for 30 years. And for 30 years, he worked side by side, never knew he was a Christian. Man, the blood was not on his life. We need this to be a witness. That's what I loved about the young and the mature tonight as we were baptizing, saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So that like those Egyptians who saw what God was doing, said, can we come? And can we come in your house? And they said, come on in. Oh, that the house, the doors of this house would forever be open. And anybody, come, come, join us as we celebrate the goodness of God. Come and experience salvation, experience deliverance, experience the fullness of the Spirit of God so that you've got something to live for, a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Amen? Hallelujah. So we see that the blood protects, it delivers, it opens doors to a whole new day, and it provides a witness so that God's love for us will also flow through us so that others can know it as well. What a great God. What a wonderful God. So I wrap it up with back to 1 Peter 1, 19 there, 18 and 19. Knowing this, you are not redeemed. Nothing of gold, nothing of silver, nothing of your your conduct. You can't be good enough. Tradition cannot redeem you. But there's one thing that will redeem you. And he calls it the precious blood. It's precious. The precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So when we take this communion now, I want you to see the blood of the grape As Jesus said, this represents my blood. And he says, this bread represents my body. 
And all of this is given to you to buy the freedom that I have for you. Blood-bought freedom. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Ushers, if you would go ahead and prepare, that would be wonderful. Father God, we just thank you. We bless you. We praise you. How awesome it is to come alongside your plan. For us to come under your call, come under your provision, come under your anointing. Lord, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice, whether they're tuning in, they may be sitting at home watching this, sitting in a hospital room watching this, sitting at work watching this, or wherever they may be, Lord God, and everyone here, Lord, we hear the call, the clarion call. Are you born again? Unless a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Lord, we hear your call. Are you born again? And Lord, we have to individually answer that question, yes or no, or I want to be. And Lord God, I know that there are many that are listening right now who would say, yes, I am born again. Yes, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Yes, I place my faith in the person and the work of Christ. And there may be those that would say, no, I have not, but I want to. Lord, if they want to right now, I thank you that the door is always open. God, you said the door is so open that you even called yourself the door. Jesus, you said, I am the door. I am the gate. I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. So if there's anyone here right now that wants to say, God, I want to place my faith in you. I pray right now they would join me. And we would pray together. So if that's you, I want us to pray together. You need to pray this out loud. And, and the whole congregation, we're going to pray with you because we're in this together. You're not entering into something that we're not all in together. But I, let me tell you what, you have to make this individual call out to God on your own. But you can do it with us corporately. And we can just pray out loud right now. Everybody help me out. Father God, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. You've made a way where there seemed to be no way. I was bound. I was in darkness. Sin dominated my life. And I was on my way to hell. But you love me so much. You made a way out. And you've made a way up. And you are the way. So Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want to tell others about you. So fill me with your presence and your spirit that I might be empowered to be all that you've created me to be. Jesus, Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's just celebrate for those who for the very first time have called out to the greatness and the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Praise.